You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. I'd like you to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew. If you would go with me to the 16th chapter, Matthew's Gospel, we will get together here in the Word of our God. I want to speak to you today on this subject. It's not about the bread. Go ahead and turn your eyes with me here to Matthew 16, and let's see here together how we can give emphasis to that subject. It's not about the bread. The Bible says, this is the passage with the Lord Jesus, the Pharisees and Sadducees approached and tested Jesus, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be good weather because the sky is red. And in the morning, today, will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. The disciples reached the other shore and they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus told them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were discussing among themselves, we didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves For the 4,000, and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread? Then they understood that Jesus had not told them to beware of the leaven and bread, but of the teaching. Of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I want to tell you that in this message, in this text, it's certainly not about the bread. But if you ever take a trip with me to Kensington Drive in Conway, Arkansas, to my grandma Treat's house, it's all about the bread. All right? How many of you got some grandma treats? Know what I'm talking about, right? She makes the best rolls that I really believe could put Texas Roadhouse out of business. They're just that good. It's that kind of feeling when you're eating the rolls, you have to stop. Because if you don't stop, it's just going to get worse and worse. You know that feeling when you go to undo the top button of your belt because your waistline is filling it? And then you realize that shocking moment when you're, you've already undone the button and now you've got misery, right? You're thinking, oh no, it's going to be worse. So you got to stop eating. I know a man by the name of Brother Kirk years ago Uh, Every time we'd sing the old hymn when the roll is called up yonder, he loved Grandma's rolls. So every time he'd say it, Miss Treat, 
when the roll's called up yonder, you're going to be there. <laughs> That's how he'd always introduce the song. i never forget that. It was my grandma that I lived with in high school and my grandpa, and that's the people that took me to church for the first time. And, and I can remember hearing the gospel. I got saved at 17 and learned a lot early on with them teaching me the things of God. But I have to confess to you in my ignorance, I had, this, had this mo- these moments that went on for a few weeks where as a person who was not raised in church at all, I literally did not realize because I had been saved in the Baptist church I thought only Baptist people could get saved. I literally thought that in my mind. So it would take me having to be discipled and taught. And one day I heard someone from a Methodist church give a testimony and and that they got saved by Jesus the same way that I got saved. And instead of me applauding and celebrating, I was like, no way, impossible. It's kind of like the Jews saying the Gentiles could get the Holy Spirit, you know, like no way. It was the same thing with me. But then I had this happen in Romans ten thirteen when I heard the word, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My eyes were open. God had to break me to realize I was missing it. I ended up starting to go to so many people who were from other denominations saying, did you know that even though you're that denomination, you could be saved? And it didn't go very well in some of those conversations, just saying God had to make me realize, no, Jeremy, it's not about the denomination. It's about Jesus. He's the one who saves. And God opened my eyes. But I was just as stuck in my misunderstanding as the disciples were about this bread. They lacked transformation. They hadn't yet moved past the bread. Dr. Robertson, Brother Shane, one of our own here at Gospel Light, just recently released a new book titled, Never the Same Again, How to Transform My Life. I quote to you a statement he wrote in his book. Change and transformation are similar, but completely different. Change is simply replacing something from the past with something of the same kind that is newer or better but not so with transformation. Transformation is not rooted in the past. Transformation births a new future. Amen. The disciples needed to be transformed beyond the bread. And what's so amazing in the Gospels is that they have been stuck before. And every time you see them having moments where they are needing God to speak into what they're stuck in every single time Jesus the Christ liberates them into comprehension. Because Christ doesn't want to see anybody stay stuck and confused so the enemy can just keep working us through a cycle of defeat. He likes to set people free. And that's what he does for them. And what we want to know about that is that that's why Jesus could look at the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness. Every time he would tell the sa- Satan, it is written, it is written. And he would tell him in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus wants his people to be able to live their lives according to his word. 
and literally have the Word of God a part of your everyday life. You see, we don't just get saved by Jesus so we can just end up stuck. We get saved so we can get soaked by the Word of God. That's what we need. We need that in our lives more than we need anything. We need to be soaked in the Word. There's more to life than staying stuck on the same old bread because life is not about the bread. It's about the Word of God producing and sanctifying us more into the image of Jesus so we can be to the world who Jesus is in the Scriptures so we can bring the gospel to people in that way. But it takes transforming by the Word of God. The challenge that we find ourselves in, the reason why we're in this text, is because I really, really believe it's also a struggle and a reality that it happens from one Sunday to the next how easy it is to put the Bible down and not pick it up until the next Sunday. Something's wrong. Time out. It's a question as to whether have God's people gotten used to living their Christian lives without a ready dependence, a relying on, a gotta have it Lord attitude towards the Scripture. It's a question. And this morning, if anyone by chance is here and is here in the condition to say, hey, I am saved by Jesus, but man, my Bible study, like my time where I read the Word and actually study the Word, it's kind of hit and miss with me most days. Some days I'm hot after it, and some days I'm cold as ice. This is what we need to hear. We need to hear What does Jesus say? What does Jesus give? How does he help us know it's not about the bread? What I want you to see with me is that there are three truths that transform us to actually move beyond the bread. And if there's anyone here stuck in the same old bread, stuck in something of which you are, you're behind, and Jesus is trying to bring you and me like he is here to the disciples, to something that is a new revelation, a truth that comes from his word, then listen carefully and be encouraged that you don't have to stay stuck. How many of you believe that Christ is the one that liberates us? Amen. You don't have to stay stuck. So let's listen to what Jesus says. First of all, the truth that stands out in the text is that there is actually going to be a caution. The caution is found right here in verse 5 and 6. And it says this, The disciples reached the other shore and they had forgotten to take bread. Now stop for a moment. The other shore is that they have been in Magdala. Everybody remembers the lady in the Bible named Mary Magdalene. That was her area. They had been in Magdala. Now they're going to the other side. So now they're in the southwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Excuse me, the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee in an area called Dalmanutha. They're in this region. And so right here is where they are geographically on the map. And what we find is that they had forgotten to take bread because they had just fed in the previous chapter 4,000, a miracle of multiplying bread to 4,000 plus people. Then they're talking to themselves that they forgot to get bread. And so Jesus says to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. 
Jesus had just been tested by them. He'd already moved past the 4,000. He's now in a new scene. And he knows the Pharisees are going to bring havoc on his disciples. He knows that they've got a poisonous teaching that can mess up what Jesus is trying to teach them. But Jesus doesn't want to see what he's teaching them be in vain. So guys, watch out. Beware of that leaven. That leaven is for real. The reason why this is important for us to get focused to is because we've got to understand leaven. What is leaven? Leaven is on the rise while our minds are on the run. It's a yeast. that You don't have to do anything. You just let it do its job. Let it stay in the bread. It'll do all that it's supposed to do. That's how things work with sin in our hearts. Just leave it alone. Don't confess it. If you we, if we don't confess it, it'll just keep making it worse. If we don't examine ourselves, it'll just keep getting worse. It just spreads. Leaven. Oh, there's so much in the scripture about leaven. And Jesus uses this statement, beware of this leaven. The mixing of flour and water and kneading dough. And many of us in here have baked bread before. We understand how leaven works in this sense. You know that it sits and it goes and the bread begins to rise and the yeast is working there. That's the way this is understood in the scriptures. Leaven in the Bible is a symbol that points to the evil influence that can affect. It is a, in its broadest sense, level is just the spread, the spread of influence. In the positive way, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God in Matthew's gospel, where he said the kingdom is like leaven. And he looked at it that the gospel spreads, starts off so small, and then works itself into the entire world. But the majority of the time, leaven is used in the other sense. It's used to look at it from an evil perspective. In this text, it's about the Pharisees and Sadducees. The doctrine, the teaching, is the wrong teaching. They don't get that from Jesus. He gives them the right teaching. But in the Bible, the word leaven is mentioned in other places. In Galatians 5, it refers to it, leaven hinders my spiritual growth and progress, so I cannot grow closer to Jesus. In Luke 12, it talks about leaven plays the role in hypocrisy. When somebody's living a double life, they're in church, and maybe they're living like the devil through the week. And they, they, they're balanced. They're out of balance with Christ. And then you've got leaven that also has an effect in 1 Corinthians 5 on immorality. Where people make decisions out of lust. And they make decisions that are going to lead them into entrapment and bondage. The moral aspect of their compass begins to be off. These are the things that leaven in the scripture has an effect on. So the expansive, the comprehensive view of leaven is not just in this text. It's just included in this text. The biggest picture is it spreads. And Jesus is saying, beware. Once leaven gets into the dough, it spreads and it brings a change to the shape and the texture of the dough. What you don't see is the yeast it's invisible in that sense. And what starts off invisible becomes visible in its effect. Just like bad influence starts off invisibly. Hanging out with the wrong person. Adopting the wrong attitude. 
Before you know it, now we take on that person's attitude and we're now producing the behavior from the inside to the out. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Leaven was used in the Bible for household bread, like we use bread. They broke bread together in the New Testament. That was household bread. But leaven was also used in the Levitical sacrifices. Now listen to this. They used leaven. God accepted leaven, believe it or not. He accepted it if it was a wave offering, types of grain offerings, and what was called peace offerings. But if God said in Leviticus 2, verse 10 and 11, he said, but if you give me a burnt sacrifice, if you give me a burnt offering on the altar of sacrifice, he says, do not burn yeast, leaven, on the altar of sacrifice. And he goes on to say in verse 11, because it would not be a pleasing aroma to the Father. They could do other things, but don't put leaven on the altar. Don't burn it. I won't accept it. Which indicates why unleavened bread is so important as it reminds us of Egypt and how they got out of Egypt and they left in haste. They didn't put leaven in the bread. It's a picture of these things. Jesus our Lord is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament law. Can I get a witness? Amen. He is the Passover lamb. And so when Ephesians 5 says in verse 2 that the sacrifice of Christ was a pleasing aroma to the Father, that's why it says that. Because there could be no yeast on the altar. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, in him was no sin that he would become sin for us. That's why he had said in John 6, 53, I am the bread of life. That's why he said in Matthew 26, when we take communion, take eat. This is my body. It's because Christ is the fulfillment and he is who we imitate. So what happens in our lives? The baton is passed. Jesus has left us here now to be witnesses of Christ in this sense. Romans 12 and 2 says we are to be living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We are to put ourselves on the altar, our will crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. Amen? We are laying ourselves down. And so as we are living sacrifices, 2 Corinthians teaches us in chapter 2 that we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are saved and among those who are perishing. And the scripture is indicated in 1 Corinthians 5, purge out the old leaven because you are a new lump. That's why we are to be so sincere when it comes down to the fact that we don't need more hypocrisy. That's leaven. We don't need more backsliding. That's from leaven. We don't need more wishy-washy Christianity and lowering the standard. No, that's leaven. What we need, we need some unleavened Christians. We need some unleavened living. We need some unleavened human beings that are saved by Jesus who say, I lay myself before Christ. I want to live before the world as the gospel has changed my life and transformed me to be more like Jesus. I'm purging out the old leaven. I'm moving beyond the bread. I want to live for the glory of God because Jesus saved me for that. That's what it's about. 
So what we are in this text is remember this. We move from the superficial fake Christianity to the sacrificial authentic Christianity when we detox the old leaven junk that gets its way into our thinking and our lifestyle. And we display instead a new life raised with Christ, risen for his glory as living sacrifices. And from that is the pleasing aroma, the fragrance of Christ that comes out of our life. That's what it's about. But you see, here's what happens. We get stuck on bread if we're not soaking in the Scripture. This is where the challenge is. We end up living such a fast-paced life. And it might be that we're going so fast in the fast lane right now in our own individual lives that there's little soaking going on. And I would dread many days in my own life when I can think about, I haven't soaked today, Lord. I have no word from God today because I haven't been in like I need to be. It might very well be that in this moment, somebody here is a born-again Christian that says, hey, I used to really be soaking in the word a lot more than I am now. I need to get back to soaking. What happens when we don't soak? We become more vulnerable. Vulnerably leaves us trying to interpret our life Ignorant of the truth of God's word. God would tell the prophet Hosea in chapter 4, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It's not that we don't have access to the scriptures. We just got to get in the scriptures. It's not safe to be biblically ignorant with no scripture to transform the stale old bread in our understanding. Because what that produces is nominal Christian status quo. What happens is somebody ends up being married and they don't know how to be biblically married. They don't know how to be in Ephesians 5 or 1 Peter 3 wife or Ephesians 5 husband. Don't know how to handle money and don't know how to parent. Don't know how to deal with doubt and fear and worry and anxiety. Don't know how to be angry and sin not. What happens is God's people have got access to the revealed word of God. And what happens to you and me is that we live so fast and we get in such a hurry That God is just ready to blow our minds with what he wants to share. But we got to slow down. The dreaded thing is how many of us, perhaps right now, may be living in a way that we just have kind of gotten away from. The soaking of the word. Jesus wants the disciples to get it. And he's not going to stop. From his caution that, guys, leaven is on the rise. While our minds are on the run. He moves then into a correction. He tells them what they don't want to hear. So they can become the disciples that he needs them to be. Tough love. And the correction in the text. Is a very incredible. Amazing correction out of love. And I want you to see it with me. He says beginning here at verse 7. They were discussing among themselves, we didn't bring any bread. This word discussing, it was a a word in the Greek New Testament, and it meant this. It translates to revolve the mind. It's where the word reason is associated. They were discussing, they were in this cycle. 
Their mind is turning, but they're not getting any answer. That's what it looks like when we don't go to the Word of God. We just got to get answer from the Word. Their minds are turning. They don't, they don't know what to do. So here's what Jesus says. Aware of this, Jesus said, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread? If you catch what Jesus is saying here, it is amazing. When John would write the Gospel of John, we would read this statement in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, as we heard through the song. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, John would say, We beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John would write the Gospel of John many years after passages like this. They missed His glory sometimes. They just didn't see His glory sometimes. And reason why Jesus is bringing this out, I want you to notice the progression in the text. When he realizes they are talking about bread, and he responds the way he does, don't miss it. What he's bringing out here is a divine frustration with the disciples because they should have gotten it by now. Here's why. This passage in Matthew 16 is preceded by the passage before it, which involves the feeding of the 4,000 with the multiplying of bread. That's why they are talking, we didn't get any bread. They just left that miracle, crossed over the Sea of Galilee to Dominutha, and they got there and said, oh no, he's talking about leaven, it must be about bread. And they're not thinking about what he just got done being tested about. Prior to this feeding of the 4,000, is Jesus walking on the water and the miracle of him calming the storm. Prior to walking on the water is Jesus feeding the 5,000. He fed the, look at this, the order. He fed 5,000. Miracle. He walks on the water. Truly you're the Son of God. Miracle. They were blown away. This is Christ. Right after that, he feeds the 4,000. And you know what their response was? After they realized his power and his glory, when he calmed the storm? In verse 33 of chapter 15, it says this, when he said, I don't want to send the multitudes away. I need to feed them. What do we need to do? And here's what they said. Where could we get enough bread in this desolate place to feed such a crowd? Can somebody help me here? What do you mean? That's the wrong question. Do you not remember? 5,000 men got fed. Don't you remember? After he fed them, then they walk, he see Peter walk on water, Jesus on water, and the storm comes to a calm. It's in Mark's gospel, in chapter 6, in verse 52, that the Bible says, after he walked on the water, it says, then they were astounded because they did not understand about the loaves of bread because their hearts were hardened. What that means is this. Jesus in this text has a greater context in the Gospels to get the bigger picture. 
The bigger picture that he's frustrating with them about is simply this. When he fed the 5,000, they weren't blown away. There was no astounded. So they go through a storm, see his power and his glory, and then they're like, whoa, you're the son of God. Then they go feed 4,000, and they should be saying, yes, Lord, it'll easily be done because you'll just multiply like you did last time. But they say that question. And then they get to this text, and they say, oh, we, we forgot bread. And Jesus straw that broke the camel's back, amen? He has to let them know, what are you talking about? What happened is this. Somehow, someway, it happens in my life, it probably happens in yours. Leaven itself is not worth the cost to take a chance on his glory. They chanced his glory in a way, y'all, that you could easily just say they coasted right on through. They should have seen it. But the question that when we look at this, it's easy to point. It's easy to say, where were you guys? Why did you not get it? How many times in my life do I miss it? How many days is the scripture not a part of my decisions? How about you? How many times is God wanting to reveal his glory and we coast on by? What happens is that the cost in this text is pretty indicative of the fact that it cost them some things. The leaven cost us in our own lives from beholding his glory. You'll notice that he mentions this word, aware of this. He says, you have little faith. What it cost us is it cost us faith. We cannot, we cannot please God without faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 declares that, right? We must have faith to please the Father. So, ye of little faith, that should not be an option. Lord, I need to have faith. I need to get back in your word because that's where it comes from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then he says to them, you're discussing among yourselves. It cost us wisdom. They shouldn't just be looking at themselves and trying to get an answer from one human to another human. Let's go beyond human ideology and philosophy and let's get the word of God. Let's hear from what God says. The answer is in front of them, Jesus. Let's go to Jesus. But when we are trapped in leaven and leaven is affecting us and we're missing his glory, we start discussing among ourselves. I'm looking for answers from you and you're looking for answers from me. Let's look to answers to Jesus. Let's help each other, yes, but let's look the answers from the word. He says, do you not understand yet? It's costing us incomprehension. This is huge. I want you to really, really get this too. When Jesus told the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, he said in his explanation, he said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand... The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. If you and I study the scriptures and we don't understand whatever we do, let's recognize that Satan does not want us to have victory in our life through the word of God. So when we don't understand, the best thing we can do is pray and keep on keeping on until God gives the explosive breakthrough. But when we close those Bibles too soon and go, I don't get it. I don't know what that means. Ah, oh, what is that? How does that apply to my life? And we start having that I give up attitude. Satan is very pleased when we don't have understanding. Jesus wants us to get it because he is the one that wants us to be unstuck so we can walk in that. He rebukes them in a corrective way to let them know it's costing you in faith and wisdom and comprehension. And he says, do you not remember? 
It costs us in forgetfulness. Before you know it, we are forgetting the things of God that God has done. We may read the Word and we don't even remember what we read 30 minutes later. Those are the things that come because we didn't soak in it. It did not deepen and grow roots. We've got to soak and not be on the run so much and stop and listen. That's what God is glorified in. And John, in Luke 9, 32, the Bible makes a clear statement about the disciples. When Jesus was transfigured, transformation. It says in Luke 9, 32, when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. And what Jesus wants to do and does in our life is he wakes us up. And when we're awake, we see his glory. But the, the price that we pay is not worth it. He awakens, awakens us to the hefty price we're paying to the point that we realize we're paying the wrong price. We're paying when our cost is to follow Jesus, not to follow leaven. And if any of us had been praying the price to where we've allowed some leaven, there's some leaven in our relationship, leaven in the way we're parenting our kids, what we may allow or don't allow. Maybe some leaven in the way that we're trying to do certain things in our life and we're just like making compromises. My brother, my sister, hear the word of the Lord. No, he loves you enough to not let you stay like that. And he, does, he loves me enough not to let me stay that way too. Let's be free together. Let's purge out the old leaven. This is where the transformation comes. And I'm so glad to tell you that when Jesus gave that caution, beware, leaven's on the rise while our minds are on the run. Correction. Leaven's not worth that kind of cost, guys. Don't miss his glory. Don't let it cost you in faith and comprehension and understanding and remembrance. Don't let it cost you. He gives the comprehension. We move from a caution to a correction to the comprehension. And the comprehension is this here. Look in verse 12 with me and you'll see it together. He says so clearly, then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven in bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Do you see it? Then they understood that he wasn't talking about the bread. Amen? That's the key. What that means is this. Don't miss it. That means whatever the bread issue was that was messing them up, the bread is now out of the way. The bread is not in the east. It's now they get, oh, oh, it's the teaching. It's the word. Jesus is trying to free me and liberate me into this truth. That's what I need. Not the old bread. That's where I need to be. That's why it's such a true statement, y'all, in our own lives. Leaven can't spread where there is no bread. It may be in Ephesians 4, 27 that we remember where it says to the church, do not give place. To the devil. That means don't give opportunity to Satan. It means look in our lives and we need to purge out anything that is there that is leaven. And it's going to lead us in the wrong direction. Produce the wrong results. We've got to be willing to clean out and be what Christ wants us to be and lay down pride for humility and be willing to examine if there is any leaven. It doesn't lead to good things. And Jesus brings the disciples to that point. And I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you grateful that God does not leave us where we are, but he cares enough to free us in that sense? Let me tell you, right now, right here, it very well may be 
that there's someone here among us, maybe a lot of us, I pray, I don't know, that you want to be free. You've tried it, you did it, you got the t-shirt, and you realize it's not worth it. You very well may be a somebody here. I want to be in this position too, to where I hunger for the word of God more than I do anything else. Amen? But what happens is this. It sounds good. It looks good on paper. But it's got to be a reality. It's got to be our heartbeat. But the question is, why? For those here today that say, I'm ready. I've been there. I've, I've gotten clothed. I've gotten lax. I've, I've kind of gotten too comfortable in my own relationship with Jesus. I am very faithful to church. I serve. I help. I believe. I love Jesus. But the day-to-day slowing down to quit talking about it, but just literally open my Bible, hear from God, write down what he shares with me. That's missing. Oh, Jeremy, it's been hot in my life in the past. I've had some revivals with the Lord Jesus. But that's the past bread. What about now? How are things looking in revival in our own walk with Christ in relation and association to the word of a living God now. See, where we are today is that with old leaven in control, you've paid the price of regret. You've lost some moments like I've lost moments in the past. Cancel the contract of Satan's lies. The word of God takes control and the lies of leaven's influence have got to stop at the word. Because Romans 12 and 2 teaches us, don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4 teaches us, put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. What happens when somebody gets saved is that we gave our life to Christ and we've got a regenerated heart. We are born again. We are a new creation, a baby in Christ. But just as a baby needs milk to grow, You and I need the Word of God to grow. And what happens is we've got to see the need for that, and we we want to transform for Jesus, and we believe it, but we've got to be in that position to be willing. You know, we like to scroll with our phones, right? What are you doing? It's scrolling social media. Well, the Word of God started off as a scroll, did it not? It was in a scroll before we got our printed copy of it right here. But I'm going to tell you what, let's just scroll the word like we scroll social media. Amen? That's what we need. For those of us that stuck on bread, we don't have to stay that way. Enough's enough. It's time to see the value that's been missing from God's word. I cannot live the abundant life Jesus called me to live without hearing his word. And what happens is this. If we get into this poisonous trap that makes us think somehow I can love God and not love his word. We've been lied to from hell. Jesus calls us to love his word. And we must hear what he has to say so we can be called to do what he wants to do. The victorious Christian living comes out of that. It may very well be that there's some desperate folks here today. And I want to be one of those with you that don't want to live on skim milk. Quit depending on just a 60-second devotion to clear our conscience that I can't even remember 60 minutes later. Let's get back into the Scripture so the Scripture gets back into us. A revived returning of the heart, prostrate, that's to Him. Ready, Lord, laid before you to be what I want you to hear what is missing in my life. I don't want to miss His glory in that way. 
We've got to quit hurrying the presence of God for our convenience and slow down to digest the transforming truth that come from meditating on His Word. A fast American society doesn't want to meditate. We want everything on the hurry. We've learned to live this way. We've kind of blended right on in. And I get it that we change with time and culture in a sense. We adjust, we adapt in the world but not of the world. But the truths of the Word of God that slows down have never changed. We've got to be quiet. We've got to listen. Drown out the noise and hear from the Lord. We've got plenty of regret from the busy, hurried life. So much done and so little to tell for it. So empty on the inside sometimes. Teaching ourselves that living on the life on the run is okay while leaven's on the rise. And our children and our parents, parenting, our marriages and our minds, our worries, our morality, it's there. It's got to be addressed and dealt with. We've adapted to live so fast-paced of lives. I believe that an entire day can go by. We haven't heard from the Word of God, and we need to get back to Him in that way. Can you imagine? Just imagine the you, the me. Imagine the you, the new you. Maybe I revived you and I revived me together as a body of Christ. Imagine you saying, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm purging out old leaven. I'm examining my heart. I really, really want to hear from what God has to say out of the Bible. I've got enough opinions from everybody else coming from every angle. What does God say? Let me hear from the Lord, the heaven, the maker of heaven and earth. What does he say? Can you imagine the you and the me? That is, okay, God, I got me a notebook. I got me a pen. Lord, I got my Bible. I've opened my Bible. Lord, I'm going to pray. And it's not, I know you want to tell me what this means. I'm going to slow down. And I'm going to listen. And I'm not just going to try to get a quick social media video to feed me. I'm going to do that some. That's going to be part of this. But I need, I need to hear what does God say. Just like they did in days of old. They listened. And imagine, you start to read. And you start seeing all of a sudden, you're reading, you're like, oh, what does that mean? Let me think, let me pray. And you start reading some more. You start looking at references. You start realizing, oh, wait, that says what? Oh, this connects to what? And you start going through your Bible, and what was supposed to be 10 minutes is now 14, and then now it's 18, and you go, i got to go to work. And then you can't wait to get back in it again. And then you get back in it again, and now it's 30 minutes. You're like, whoa, wait, i got to go take care of the kids, and they're going to burn the house down if I don't, amen? So you, you got to, and you start finding yourself saying, oh, I can't wait to get back in. Oh, I want some more of that. You know what's happening? The Spirit of the living God is doing cartwheels in the heart of somebody who says, do you want the old bread? Or do you want my fresh manna that I can give you? My friend, don't settle for what this world has to offer. Don't live so fast on the run that you've just, you and I are missing his glory here. We get used to waving at Jesus while we run on by. We need to stop and worship Jesus and sit at his feet. Slow down. When you and I slow down, there's no regret. There's no regret for slowing down from the life of hurry to the quiet, holy hush in the presence of the living God. Today, the passage from these texts There's maybe someone 
who says, I'm in. I've delayed. I've gotten casual. I'm in. I'm coming back to hunger and thirst for righteousness that I may be filled. A brother or a sister in this church today, worshiping with us also online, who says, I'm in. I'm going to slow down. What I want to do here in these moments before we have this time of invitation, as we do, let's practice what this is all about. If you have your worship guide with you, and hopefully something to write with, I want you to take a moment here in the presence of our Father. Let's practice this. This is a little bit of waiting our appetite for the things of God. And what happens here in these moments is just the beginning of what you can do every single day. Meditate upon the Lord. For those of us that are willing, let's go forward. For those of us that may not be, just keep listening. For those of us in between, God and his patience, he sees you where you are and he loves you. Because for any of us lost without Christ, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died for you, friend. He died for me. If you're here lost without Jesus today, the Jesus of this passage is the Jesus that died and rose again. And he loves you. He cares for you. You repent, believe the gospel that he died and rose again. You be saved and you give your life to Christ. But for those of us that know Christ, but we're stuck on some old brand, listen to these truths and let's write down anything the Spirit stirs in our heart about them, okay? practicing this what can be on our daily basis this is kind of a warm-up for that the first of which is this slow down to a prioritized persuasion that the word of god is alive slow down hebrews 4 and 12 says the word of god is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword it pierces listen to this it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit joint and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Everything else I can get in life speaks to my intellect. But the word of God pierces me like no other thing can do. It'll reveal what we need. Right now, meditate on the passage that's coming on the screen in Proverbs 30 verse 5. Let God's word persuade you how word it is alive. Write down what comes to your mind the next 30 seconds or so. Just write down What does the Spirit stir in your heart about that passage? About God's Word. When we slow down to the persuasive priority to say, God's word's alive. How, why have I been missing this? The days that I don't read my Bible, that's foolishness to me. This word is alive. I need it in my life. That leads you and I to this next reality. Slow down to then get into position to soak his life into you. Hear from his word and let it soak in. The psalmist said in chapter 1, 
in his law, he meditates day and night. He loved the word. The scripture on your screen is from John 6 from Jesus. See what this says and write down what God stirs in your heart about that scripture for the next 30 seconds. that the word of God is alive and we don't want to pass it up any day anymore and that we want to get in position to stop, slow down and soak the word into us then third of all slow down to listen to your own personal teacher your own tutor assigned one to one the Holy Spirit 2 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 2 says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit of God that we may understand what's been freely given to us by God. God's Holy Spirit shows up when you open your Bible, and I open my Bible because He's there to teach, He's there to explain and help us. Listen, write down what comes to your mind as you meditate on this passage in John 14 26 from Jesus. Write down what that comes to you. so alive I don't want to pass it up so I get in position and I let God soak his life into me and then I find myself listening to my teacher the Holy Spirit explain what I'm soaking in teaching me leading me to this last final reality you ready slow down to grow little by little into who Jesus saved you to be. Not who you want to be. Not the version of ourselves that everybody else wants to see. No. Who did Christ save me to be? That's the life I need to live. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We should be like Jesus. So the growing is something to meditate on. How's that looking in your own life? Look at 1 Peter 2, 2 on the screen. Write down what comes to you as you meditate on that verse. And it's truth.
right here in the presence of our Father. We're meditating together. It feels so good. We're slowing down. And we're just writing down the precious truths of God's Word. What I want you to give thought to is the fact that we've got to move beyond the bread. Get back into the Word every day. Write down what the Spirit of God is teaching you, showing you. Study a passage, a verse, with another Christian. Study in community. Sharpen one another. Encourage one another. Study together. And keep transforming more and more into what it looks like to be like Jesus. Because life is not about the bread. It's more and more about what it means to be like Jesus. I'm so glad for the word. Aren't you? so glad for what it promises, what it does, how it stirs, and what it's done in my own life. So excited to talk about it and share it because it's so real. It's authentic. It transforms. It's, I can't tell you how much God has been working on me, transforming. I've got so far to go. But I love the work of Christ, don't you? Right here, right now, if any one of us say, I need to pray about this. I need to talk to the Lord if I've neglected his scripture. And it's not been in my priorities every day. It's hit and miss for me. Don't let another day go by like that, please. There's so much God wants to share. You've got to slow down and listen. Would you talk with God about that this morning? If there's any need, anybody to pray to be saved, I'm in the altar. Other of our elders will be forward if you need to pray with someone else. And I'm here, but if you know Christ and just need to come back, get back into the Word. Lay that down. Pray in the altar in your seat, wherever you are, but don't leave here without talking to God about it. He loves you. Don't give up. So much more, so much better than just the old bread. Don't give up. Let's get back in. Father, you are glorious and amazing. I love our church family, and I love the way you love us, Lord. Lord Jesus, please forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, in my own negligence. I cannot even stand here without thinking about God. Those days were when I got your word, it was for my convenience. I was in a hurry. Or the days that I let go by and I did not even look in the word at all. God, I am so sorry. Lord, forgive me. Help all of us to come back to such a dependence on you this way. We love you, Lord. Your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and seek the Lord together.